Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Thank you, too. Summertime And the living is easy Hey everyone, um, we're back with uh, 
quick hit from Wrigley Night One. Um, we're here with uh, our great friend, great father, great American, Brian Brinkman. Hey, Brian. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, man? Good. Um, so, Brian, this is a pretty special show for you, given that you're you know, from the area, you're a lifelong Cubs fan. What was this um, experience like? I remember when they announced the show, you were like, I mean, I have to go. Um, so it sounds like you were kind of committed from the beginning. Yeah, I, I, and I'd heard, I think it was 2010 or 2011, there were rumors that they were going to do this. Um, this is about as close as me doing the Hajj uh, uh, excursion to Mecca. Um, th- this was uh, a pretty surreal, uh, just just them announcing it and, and then walking into Wrigley Field and walking through Wrigleyville yesterday. It was a pretty incredible experience. It felt like a Cubs game with a bunch of fish heads at it. Um, so it was very much two worlds uh, combining for me. It was it was pretty uh, pretty unbelievable walking in. What was the scene like outside and the the lot scene, all that? In terms of like a traditional lot scene, there, there, that was all non-existent. Um, I mean, it was so Wrigley Field is totally in a neighborhood. Um, there's no, it's not like uh, any of these new ballparks that's kind of built outside of a downtown area and then they bring businesses in. I mean, it's very much a part of a neighborhood in Chicago and it's packed with bars and at a Cubs game, you know, an afternoon or an evening Cubs game, every one of those bars is just slammed with people in Cubs jerseys and, you know, a few scattered from the opposing team. Mm -hmm. Um, This was very much like that, but with people wearing summer tour 97 and fall tour 2013 t-shirts and people holding up extra tickets um so very much of a a melding of uh kind of an aggressive sports vibe with a bunch of fish fans (laughs) um (laughs) uh walking up i haven't personally seen a show where you just simply couldn't give tickets away um i saw probably i don't know 50 to 75 extras and uh people just walked in with, with tickets there. There was no way that nobody was buying tickets. Nobody wanted to be miracle. I've never experienced anything like that. Wow. And that's because of the kind of capacity, the demand, the, I guess the demand was, um, people misplayed the supply demand thing here, right? I think so. Um, I mean, it definitely wasn't sold out last night. The, from my view, the upper tier of the venue um, was pretty empty. Uh, the the floor was packed. My area was, um, I was down right by the field. Um, that was pretty well uh, packed. But, yeah, it seemed like most of the venue up top was uh, pretty scattered. Well, so wh- how, was, how was the sound? How was the arrangement of the seats and all that? I know when I saw Fish at Fenway in 09, it was, um, it just felt very distant sound-wise. Um yeah, you know it's hard to get the acoustics right in a, a a place that's so big and open. What was the how'd they do on that front? I thought they improved as the show went on. I had similar issues. I went to Fenway as well, and I sat up top at Fenway, and mm-hmm. um, it, it was kind of a novelty scene. Fish at right, Fenway. Right. Obviously, that show isn't very well remembered. Um, uh, this felt like a novelty at times as well. I'm really glad I saw Fisher very quickly, but from a sound perspective, from a yeah concert-going perspective, I, I, it's really just not the venue for it. Um, that said, by midway through the second set, they had really um, you know equalized the sound. It sounded a lot better. You could hear Mike really full uh, midway through the second set. The lights were really, really fantastic from where I was. I was really impressed with the new LED screens, 
Um, yeah. I'm on the field tonight, and I think I'll have a better sense of what it's like. I, I remember always hearing that at the Fenway shows, there were people that were on the field that felt like they were at a concert, and then there were people in the stands that felt like they were watching a concert from afar. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, it's cool. You're lucky you get to go back, but let, let's talk about the music a little bit. Um, yeah. Interesting um, song selection, all that. I guess you want to just run through kind of your, your highlights and your perspective? <clears throat> Yeah, um, I, and I, I feel like I've reached this point where um, I can kind of shrug my shoulders when I hear a lot of things that I've heard before, and um, I was so excited when I walked out on stage, and then I got a sample in the jar, and I, I, I shrugged my shoulders, and I looked at my wife, and we went, okay, and uh, we're at a fish show, and then we had a lot of fun when Trey started soloing, and that happens to me literally every time I hear that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I felt like the first set was... Um, kind of the tour opening set that we all expected on Wednesday. Um, and I think that they kind of needed to get settled in. There was a little bit of rust. Uh, I really enjoyed Sand. That was a nice surprise midway through. Um, I really enjoyed Blazon as a, as a set closer. I thought yeah. that had a really cool um, rock and jam at the end that was almost like a, you know, like a Julius or like a 46 Days. It was kind of a different way of taking that song. Nice, um, yeah. Second set, obviously, I thought that the big highlights were the disease Fuego twist. Twist, especially, was was incredible. Um, there was a moment they were in such a dark jam, and uh, it reminded me for a second of the uh, twelve thirty twelve uh, Carini, just like really sinister and kind of evil. And then mm-hmm. they made this turn into that weak Pogas jam, and I, I'm continuously blown away by post-2012 fish, their ability to just change on a dime yeah. and go from this absolutely dark jam to this really blissful melodic jam. And I love that, that part of the show. Uh, I really enjoyed 2001, which I've been seeing fish since 2003. So I don't think I've ever been able to actually say I really enjoyed 2001. It's always just kind of been there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I felt like, uh, I tried was using the echoplex a lot more last night than I've heard since new year's Eve. Uh, 2013, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. The, um, the 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 moving in and out of different jams. I thought that Down with Disease had like a kind of prog rock jam that was yeah. pretty interesting, and then they just kind of segued into something else. I mean, they're so versatile, and it's they they just seem to be <laughs> listening to each other so well, you know. Yeah, and I I thought um and I need to re-listen to the Disease. I've listened to the Twist a couple of times because that was my favorite part, but, um, the disease, uh, I think there was a really, from what I remember, a really, uh, like heroic rock solo at the end that, mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed. Um, you mentioned the sand. And then the encore. I, I want to talk about the encore, but just real quick on the sand. Yeah. I thought that was like pretty hard hitting for a mid first set sand. It was like the, it was, it was pretty intensive in a, in a good way. I totally agree. I remember, um, you could see Trey and Fishman kind of playing off of each other and Trey really trying to, you know, drive to, to a tension release peak and Fishman, I thought Fishman's drums were great last night. Um, I don't know, maybe it's all the populist support that he's trying to spew out in his Bernie dresses. Um, (laughs) the Bernie dress is pretty funny. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I thought the sand was, was a great, uh, I was surprised when they started playing it, and um, I, I, I don't think I've ever personally witnessed a first set sand, and it, it really adds a unique element to to a show. Um, 
but yeah, I thought that the jam in the middle of it was great. Yeah, and so the the encore you mentioned, um, that was, I think people are still talking about that and how it seems so difficult what they pulled off. You want to explain what, what that was? Yeah, when they came up with the encore, I didn't... I, I, I didn't expect anything. And when they walked up to the microphone, I said, okay, they're obviously going to do Star Spangled Banner and, you know, Cavern, and, and that'll be the show. And I was okay with that. It kind of felt appropriate for that. And then, obviously, it took them a second to get into Space Oddity. They really did. I mean, before I say anything, it's amazing how much they rehearsed this. Clearly, they spent hours practicing mm-hmm. this, and they absolutely nailed it. And it hit on a really emotional level. And it was really funny at times, and it was like the, the place was going absolutely insane at the peak towards the end. I mean, they they completely blew this away, and I don't see how they ever play this song again. I think it has to be just a one-time total tribute to Bowie. They absolutely killed it. Perfect setting for it, and then to follow it up with Antelope. But um, kind of going into it... Uh, Nobody really knew, at least people around me, whether they should be cheering or they should be laughing. Um, and then it started, and when it became really clear that it was Space Oddity, people mm-hmm. just lost. And, and it was just one of those, you know, hug your neighbor type of moments. It was great. That's awesome. And then to, to play Antelope after that must have been pretty cool, because that's obviously a great way to, to send off the, to close the show. Um, and, and one new yeah, song. Yeah, you know you, know, you know you got at least like 10 minutes of... Uh, of a really classic fish rock. And, and there's something about an antelope that's not at a first set closing antelope. You know, it feels out of place and it feels a little bit extra special. And I, I loved that. Last night was one of my favorite encores I've ever seen. Nice. That's awesome. And there was one new song last night called Miss You. And I saw the set list. I thought there was, uh, I thought Rolling Stones, but I was wrong. Um, <laughs> or, how do you, how do you like that? And you think we're getting, going to get more, more new tunes tonight? Yeah, I'm surprised. You know, after Ben last year and after them talking about all the new songs that they wrote, um, I'm surprised we've only had one debut. Um, you know, it's in a tray vein. It's very uh, sincere, and it kind of toes the line of being cheesy and sincere at the same time. I heard that this was about his sister, um, so there's obviously it's a, wow. a sweet song from him. It's a really you know personal tribute. Um, one takeaway I had from it, and this was, I think, the first time I've ever seen him debut a song of this nature live. It's a party atmosphere. Everybody wants to party. And here he is playing this really thoughtful, heartfelt song. And while I don't know if it's the exact perfect setting for it, it really must take a lot of balls and a lot of confidence from Trey to play that song, that type of song, to a crowd like this. And I really gained a lot of respect for him at that moment. I added to the... 20 plus years of respect that I've been gaining for him for blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just sitting, I was, I was really kind of, I, I took a moment to just be like, wow, you, not a lot of people are going to really want this song to be played. And a lot of people are going to groan when it's played in coming years and coming shows. But to play it in this setting really must take a lot. Yeah. And, and he said right after, like, thanks for, you know, giving us the confidence to be able to try new songs, which I think is surprising to totally. me just that they, don't already feel confident enough in front of the fans that he has to actually mention. Right, you know? right, right. But, but yeah. No, I totally get it. One big takeaway as you were walking out? Uh, one big takeaway, great novelty to see my favorite band in my favorite sports team's stadium. Like that, that's, 
regardless the music that they play last night or tonight, um, I'm going to remember it for... There was a moment right before the show started, there was this just deep yellow glow that extended across the stadium, and it's something that you get whenever you watch a Cubs game that extends in the twilight, and it just it's this unexplainable magic that comes off uh, in Wrigley Field, and to see that with Holland Wolf playing pre-show, seeing balloons, the sights, the smells of being at the fish show, that was awesome. I will never forget that. Um, musically, I think that we're, we've got our best days ahead of us in this tour. I think that they're getting settled in, and I, 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 I kind of feel like tonight and tomorrow night is where they're really going to start to uh, establish what this tour is going to be. Nice. Awesome. I'm so happy for you guys. You get to see see two shows in at Wrigley. Um have a blast and thanks for thanks for joining us and sharing it. Of course, man. Thanks for calling. Yeah, man. Um and for everyone out there, um one thing we wanted to mention, if if people haven't seen the the new Fish Companion book from um the, the people at uh net and Mockingbird, um it's a really beautiful book. Um I'm gonna, we're gonna link to it in the show notes, but I'm sure everyone's seen it by now, but if you haven't you should check it out. I checked it out last night at the Mockingbird at the uh at the Waterwheel table and it's it's beautiful. Nice. Awesome. So everyone should check that out if you haven't already. Um, and Brian's on Twitter at Suffering Juke. Um, Brian, thanks as always for joining us and have a blast tonight. Thanks, man. All right. Take it easy.
bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, 